Hey, Jen, want to talk about sexual shame? No shame in my game. Great. Today we're going to discuss the effects of sexual shame in your marriage. Let's do it. To the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Welcome, friends. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So good to have you with us. That's right. Here we are in the middle of May-cimber, as I've heard it called. You know how crazy December is? May is usually also the crazy month of the year. And so it's called May-cimber, Matt. Get with it. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) But but I do feel the busyness. (laughs) That's right. Our May already started off busily bringing a boy home for college for the summer so that's fun a little bit more crowded in our house it is uh full of his uh big body and all of his laundry and everything else that he brought with him yes a lot of laundry came home <laughs> all from dirty that laundry room. yes i don't think the boy had done clothes uh done laundry in in weeks maybe months maybe not maybe not but that's all right we're glad to have we're him glad home. he's home And glad for the busyness of May. And you know what else we're glad about, Matt? What's that, Jen? Patreon supporters. Uh, Absolutely. We are so happy to have our Patreon supporters. And uh, we would certainly be even happier for the rest of you to join us on Patreon. Uh, For those who are uninitiated or (laughs) unfamiliar, uh, Patreon is a subscription service whereby uh, you make a monthly contribution to our cause here at Intimate Covenant to keep the lights on, as it were, keep That's the right. computer running, to keep the, uh, the the podcast going. Uh, we certainly would appreciate your support in that. And not only does your contribution support the podcast, it also supports our other work with Intimate Covenant mm-hmm. in putting on our Marriage Day events, in uh, the writing and the projects that we have uh, put together and are putting together. Yeah. And it also helps to provide scholarships to deserving couples to attend live events, and access to other Intimate Covenant resources. Who knew $5 per month could go so far, right? Absolutely. (laughs) You can be a a Patreon supporter of ours for as little as $5 a month, less than a cup of coffee. So we'd love to have you join us on Patreon. And one of the things that we like to do for our Patreon uh, subscribers is send out a monthly newsletter. And so we've just Recently sent out our May newsletter, gives you a little behind the scenes of what's going on in Matt and Jen's world. Yes, we also include some highlights from the podcast. We uh, include announcements about important upcoming events and uh, special discounts that are available to our Patreon subscribers as well for some of the products and resources that we provide. So lots to get involved with there with Patreon, and we certainly we would love to have your support and have you join us. You can find us at uh, patreon.com slash Intimate Covenant. So as we alluded to in our introduction, uh, and if you haven't seen the title already, the, this, uh, this week's episode is about sexual shame. And 
to be. It sounds like a downer. Well, <laughs> maybe, but hopefully we're going to find our way out of the the downwardness. There you go. Uh, but uh, shame, for sure, is a powerful force in our sexual relationship. Right. Uh, and it affects both pursuers and it affects responders and maybe right. a little bit differently. Right. And I definitely think it's something that we need to consider when we're talking about our sexual relationships. And I mean, if sex is holy and good and a beautiful gift from God, then frankly, what holds us back from enjoying it with our spouse? Often it's shame. Yeah, it's so the, we may not have ever clarified it or you know defined it as that. So hopefully we're going to challenge you to do that today. That's, that's what we're going to be looking at uh, with this episode. Shame is also a factor in how we handle our finances. That is true, which is why you need Open Door Financial Advisors. Yeah, for sure. You need to meet Derek. You need to get together with Open Door Financial Advisors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in fact, shame is a was a big reason that our financial situation has uh, devolved into certain situations at certain times of our yeah. lives because we were just too ashamed to admit that right. we had made some of the mistakes that we had made, too ashamed to get the right kind of help. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that's one one reason we're just so grateful for Derek. Uh, he right. has already been a huge help to us. Right. Uh, and really, I mean, his goal is just to help his clients solve their financial problems and build a future. But what's different about Derek is that he's going to help you build a future that is that is congruent with your values and your dreams. Absolutely. My favorite thing about working with Derek is that he gets us. Right. And he is coming from a place of, you know, a shared faith with us. And that that changes everything, right? We've right. worked with financial advisors before that really didn't understand why, yes, there is a weekly donation to a church, <laughs> you know, coming out of our bank account or even what Intimate Covet, Covenant is all about. Right, so sure. we really appreciate that Derek understands us. He understands our values and our dreams. And working with Derek has helped us shed some of that shame. Yep, for sure. So uh, Open Door Financial Advisors, uh, you need to find them, find Derek. The, you can find them at his website, opendoorfa.com. All right. So we have received some feedback from our last episode, which has really spurred this episode. And um, we're, we're always excited when that happens, yes. when we get good feedback from an episode. But as you recall from our last episode, we talked about disconnected or one-sided sex. We were really looking at what happens when one spouse wants an orgasm from their spouse and maybe the other is not as into it? Yeah, the, the dilemma is that sometimes one spouse is looking for physical release. The other spouse is maybe not just as much interested in sex at that time. So mm-hmm. what do you do in that circumstance? And so in summary, you'll have to go back and listen to the whole episode if you want yeah. the whole lowdown. But in summary... Our response was that regardless of the circumstances, if you are each approaching sex the right way, you will be approaching sex Mm -hmm. as an opportunity for connection. Mm -hmm. And then if that's the case, then it's never actually one-sided. Even if only one of you is experiencing the full pleasure of of an orgasm or not. So uh, that's really the goal, connection, 
that's kind of been our mantra from the beginning uh, on, on, the, on the podcast. Right, right. And so um, we enjoyed putting out that episode. And then we had a listener who had some insightful response that he that was shared with us and brings up some points that I think we've never actually really discussed on the podcast. Yeah, isn't that great? Every time we just come up to the microphone, we find something to talk about that we haven't talked about before. I you know, when we started this, I thought for sure by now we would have run out of topics, but here we are. Yeah, well, side note, we do love getting your feedback, yeah. uh, and and we just love continuing this conversation with you in this way. So yes. certainly feel free to join in that feedback. You can reach us at podcast at intimatecovenant.com, uh, <laughs> or you can reach us uh, anonymously through our website at intimatecovenant.com slash podcast. Uh, and just click the button that says contact the podcast and that will uh, put up a an anonymous submission form so that you can reach out to us yeah. anonymously. And and if, if you just want to share feedback, if you don't really have a question, send us that. We, we again, we love having the conversation continue with you guys so that it's not just Matt and Jen and two podcast <laughs> yes, right. Even if you just want to say, hey, thanks for... Uh, sharing this with us, or hey, yeah. Jen's hair sounds great today. What? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was weird. All right, so let's share what this feedback was. So we received this. It said, podcast was really good today and super practical. One point you made about how you shouldn't feel bad asking for sexual things if it's for connection made me think about how poor messages about sex impact this even if intentions are good. And we would add not just poor messages, but sometimes the total neglect leading to incorrect ideas. Goes on to say, your goal may be connection, but if you were brought up being taught or it being implied that sex is just selfish, it could still be a hurdle to get past the feeling that your desires are selfish, even if you know your desire is for connection with your spouse. Similarly, if you have been taught or even implied due to not being taught anything that some sexual acts are inferior or cheap, dirty, etc., it can also present a challenge for the idea of connection. In other words, I think both spouses' intentions may be good, but getting past how you were taught can be tough. Satan has done a good job of making godly people attach ideas like selfish, cheap, dirty, gross to things that are not that at all, which then places obstacles to connection. Great, great feedback. Yeah, I love um, it. uh, Again, I just love taking the ideas that we discuss and taking them just a little bit further and digging a little bit deeper. So uh, this listener's comments, though, suggest that sexual pursuers and responders manifest and deal with sexual shame differently, which is something that maybe we had just never explicitly stated or really thought about before. Right. And that point also reminded us of a couple of separate questions that receipt that we received uh, at some of the recent live events that we've done here in the last couple of months. Yeah, we received this question that said, I have never been comfortable exploring my own sexuality and still don't. How do I begin to explore it so that I can share my emotions and preferences. And similarly, 
Another question read, what are some practical steps to initiating sex if you've grown up with a huge focus on purity and have not felt comfortable acknowledging sexuality? And, and that kind of those kinds of questions are not uncommon at all in the live events that we've done mm-hmm. um, throughout the, the years. Yeah, um, a lot but, of people recognize, you know what, just the in general, the way I think about sex is negative. And yeah. I, I want to shed that. I want to lose that. I want to embrace my own sexuality. But how in the world do I do that? Yeah. A, a lot of us have been trained to think negatively or shamefully about sex and our sexual desire or just mm-hmm. our sexual relationship in general. Well, and I, we don't feel comfortable yeah. exploring that or handling that because there's just such a cloud of negativity that has right. been placed on us. Right. And I appreciate that the, you know, the original feedback we started with, I mean, he's coming at this from the standpoint of you might be desiring connection, but your shame might keep you from saying, hey, this is what I'm interested mm-hmm. in. This mm-hmm. is what I want. So, you know, how do you go about handling that? Well, let's talk a little bit about shame just to start with so that we kind of have a, a frame of reference here. Where does shame come from and what is shame? I, I think shame in general, if we're thinking about shame, even if it's even outside of the realm of sexual shame, mm-hmm. but when you, you, you feel shame when you have not lived up to your nature or to the standards that you know to be true and good, uh, and mm-hmm. when that happens, you should feel shame, right? right. It, shame is a God-given, built-in, automatic response to not living up to who you are supposed to be. Right. It's part of being made in the image of God. When we're not reflecting his image and his nature, then God has given us a conscience to be offended. And you should feel shame if you're not living in that way. That said, that's appropriate shame. But Mm -hmm. there is also inappropriate shame that we all also feel at times when it's not necessary or indicated. Right. Uh, an example, if you show up at a party and you happen to not be dressed to the same level as everyone else, mm-hmm. you feel embarrassed about that, right? Mm-hmm. You feel, and all of us would feel maybe a different level of embarrassment or shame right. in response to that. But, is, is, there, is that a moral issue? Yeah, ha- no. Have we offended our nature by, by showing up, you know, in a... In a shirt and blouse or, or a shirt and pants instead of a tie and a suit? Of course not. Right. But that feeling can be very powerful. Um, so, we, so we all kind of understand, even from that one little example, what it is the, to feel shame that's really not necessarily appropriate from the standpoint it's not you haven't morally done something wrong. Yeah. The, the same thing could be true if someone teases you in a situation where you don't want to be teased, mm-hmm. you it, you would also feel embarrassed or shame because of that. And have you done anything wrong in that circumstance? No. But has this person put shame upon you? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so right. you will feel that. So again, that's Satan's way of using our conscience against us in a lot of ways yeah. and using that shame against us. When it comes to sexual shame, though, Mm-hmm. I think there's some really important um, sources for inappropriate shame that that we all have um, been yeah. exposed to, and one of those is poor teaching. Right, and and we did a, 
two episodes on the whole purity culture movement, um, episodes 82 and 83. If you've not listened to those, we'd love for you to go back and listen to those. But we really talked in those episodes about how shame kind of was a motivating factor in this idea of the purity mm-hmm. culture. Right. Um, and so, you know, there may have been some well-meaning people behind that, but ultimately it kind of produced a lot of poor teaching that caused a lot of us to feel shameful for our sexuality. Yeah, for just having a sexual nature, we we walked away from those experiences bearing quite a load of shame that perhaps is not meant to be. Mm-hmm. And if if not if not for that that exposure, a lot of us grew up in situations, communities, churches where there was not any direct teaching about our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so we took from that that if it's something that we can't talk about at all, then it must be something worthy of being ashamed of. Right. So that sh- that shame-filled silence um, had a, a significant impact on others of us uh, right. as a source then for this inappropriate shame. Right. I, I think another place where we we find inappropriate shame f- when it comes to our sexuality is our culture around us and the cultural messaging and the worldly standards that we're surrounded by. Absolutely. Um, m- many of us have just simply accepted worldly definitions and worldly meanings for sex. Right. And we recognize that those worldly meanings don't line up with godliness. Right. So we hear a word like sexy and we immediately think, oh, that that's a particular type of person. Mm. That's a particular style of behavior. We We feel the sense of Shame at the idea of being sexy. I can't be sexy because yeah, that this because is I'm what a that Christian looks. Yes, lady. Because that's what this looks mm-hmm. like in in the mm-hmm. world, or at least we've assigned it. Or that this particular sex act means something, or mm-hmm. only certain certain people do this particular sex act. Right. So we've assigned sometimes meanings to our sexuality. And just adopted those meanings from the world rather than allowing God to define what is good right. and what is holy. Absolutely. Uh, for, for example, you know, some folks may uh, feel like, well, I, I saw this on TV or I saw this particular thing in pornography or I've seen this in social media. And that may cause someone to judge these things as either highly desirable or highly aversive, just because mm-hmm. of where we saw it or where we were exposed to it, we automatically define its goodness or badness based on where we saw it, right. as opposed to judging it through the lens of what does the Bible say about that, and what would that look like, and what would that mean in my own individual covenant. Right. I think another place where we we find a whole lot of inappropriate shame just comes from our bodies mean body shame is a very strong and powerful feeling. And, you know, we can feel a lot of shame about the way our bodies do or don't look. And we're using, again, the world standards for that, you know, level of judgment. And frankly, it's failing to live up to an idolatrous standard of beauty is is where that shame's coming from, you know? It's not shame because you aren't beautiful in God's eyes. Right. It's shame because you're not living up to the world's standards, and that is the very definition of idolatry. Right. I mean, it is God's standards of feminine beauty 
as described in 1 Peter 3, uh, that we should be striving for, right? And that's all about an internal adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, which is said to be precious in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. That's where beauty comes from, but we try to make it all about the the shape and size of our bodies. Sounds like uh, we need to do an episode on we this. We might need to do a whole episode on that. <laughs> that's exactly right. But uh, Satan is quite vocal about sex and sexuality. Yes. Uh, he is the accuser and the deceiver, and yes. his voice is, unfortunately, his voice is the loudest in most communities and in most churches. Right. It's his lies that are propagated and, frankly, never challenged. Yeah. And many of us have just accepted right. this. And as a result, many people in the church and even and even in the world suffer shame due to poor teaching or entirely absent teaching about holy sexuality. I mean, you've heard us say it before, and we'll say it a thousand times more, but Satan did not create sexuality. Right. Satan did not create sex. It was not his idea. Yeah, it's God's. And so that means that there can and should be a place for holy sexuality, but we've just been so quiet about what that even means. Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for. That's why you're here. And that's so right. uh, we've got to we've got to start this conversation and continue this conversation right. in our communities. But what then are the effects of this shame? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do we do with our shame and what does that look like? And that's kind of where we want to go mm-hmm. with with the rest of this episode. Uh, shame ultimately results in hiding and withdrawing. It's just like Adam right. and Eve, when they are discovered in their sin, their initial reaction is to hide and to cast blame and to, to distract away from mm-hmm. their nakedness. Right. Uh, and, and so that sh- the, the shame that we feel in our own lives, we're no different. We just have more sophisticated ways of hiding and withdrawing. Right. Uh, it, Where it's, it's our way to avoid being seen or exposed or vulnerable. And again, right. that's whether you're talking about appropriate shame, like Adam and Eve had appropriate shame because of their sin, or inappropriate shame. Right. Um, both result in this hiding and withdrawing. Um, and, and so I, I think where we go with that then, though, I, I just like our listener with the initial feedback gave us, mm-hmm. is that it, where he suggested that there are different ways in which pursuers and responders manifest their shame. Yeah. It looks differently for a lot of pursuers and responders. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're, I, I want to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. I think at least summarizing or generalizing a little bit, at least for pursuers, shame looks like guilt for having sexual desire. Pursuers often feel very guilty about just even having desire, having sexual desire at all or having more desire than their spouse. Mm -hmm. And that then results in weak pursuing. Mm -hmm. If I'm ashamed of my sexuality and even ashamed of my spontaneous desire, then I'm going to turn the burners down a little bit, if you will, Mm -hmm. on my own sexual desire and my own pursuing. And Mm -hmm. so, pursuers often develop this fear of sharing the fear of sharing their full the fullness of their sexual desire full, fear of sharing the fullness of their sexual pursuit right they're afraid of being too much right exactly you know and and so they're constantly trying to squash down 
that desire and only let a little be seen at a time. But, you know, for responders, I think shame manifests itself in in a resistance to any sexual thought or activity. I mean, Mm -hmm. responders are really good at turning off and disconnecting completely from their sexuality. Mm. And many of us as responders, myself included, spent has spent way too long denying that we're even sexual. I mean, just totally detached from the reality that we are a sexual yeah, being. And yeah. so there's there's not just a detachment, but even a resistance to thinking about sexuality or being a part of it. Um, and, and that also plays out in a lot of anxiety. Um, and it, when thinking about sex or when engaged in sex, often a responder deals with anxiety instead of anticipation. Yeah. They can't just be excited about sex. They have to have all these negative emotions built up into it. And a lot of that comes from, again, this this body shame. Um, that is a common theme for many, many responders is that they are disconnected from their sexuality simply because they're so ashamed of their own bodies. Yes, and the sexuality of their body. Yes. It's it's undeniable that your body is sexual. Uh, and so then if you have sexual shame, then that often uh, t- is tied into a body shame as well. Right. So, and so we can see that for both pursuers and responders, you know, they're dealing with shame and it's manifesting itself in different ways, and it's causing all these barriers. And my guess is, Matt, all of our listeners, whether they're a pursuer responder, just went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we hope you feel it because yes. we have lived it. Yeah. Um, and so we're here to tell you that you can actually redeem the shame. Yeah. There's so much hope in this. And I think it starts with identifying that shame in and of itself, mm-hmm. identifying uh, that I, as a pursuer or as a responder, have shame and it is being manifest in my relationship in this way. Right. But ultimately, what we need to do, what we want to do, what we're urging and encouraging you to do is to exchange that shame for deeper connection. Redeem it. Redeem the shame for deeper connection and enjoy the fullness of pleasure that God really intended for your sexuality. Yes. This is how you live out holy sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? So you've you've got to consider what causes your inhibitions. I mean, is your shame appropriate or not? You have to know that you cannot have deep, intimate relationships if there's sin and shame in your life. Both that appropriate shame and that inappropriate shame will cause barriers to your ability to fully sexually engage with your beloved. And so... You have to identify that. So let's kind of go through, Matt, what are some sources of appropriate shame and inappropriate shame when it comes to our sexuality? Yeah, well, I think if you're going to redeem your shame, you've got to recognize that if you have appropriate shame, in other words, you should be ashamed if you are handling your sexuality in an unholy way. Yes. And if that's the case, then you need to be, you need to deal with changing your behavior, Yes. Right. Get Your shame rid of the should sin. motivate yes. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it shame ought to be a motivator and it ought to be motivating you to get rid of the sin. Yes. If you're actively involved in sexual sin, it has to stop. Period. Right. You will never be free from shame and the effects of shame in your life if you are hiding sin in your life. 
For example, infidelity, whether that is emotionally or sexually or Mm -hmm. any other way, including pornography, Mm -hmm. if you are not being faithful to your spouse in any of those ways, uh, you're going to have shame and that's going to inhibit true and deep connection with your spouse. Absolutely. You know, we we have coined the phrase, I think, the there should be no third parties in your bed or in your head. You know, and so many of us, oh yeah, I get the 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 in your bed part, right? Obviously, we're not going to have another body in our bed. <laughs> but is that is that true for in your head? You know, if you're allowing your mind to be full of another person's sexuality that's not your spouse, then you're bringing in what ought not to be there. Right, right. And so, that is sin. So get accountable and get help. Yes. Find someone who is willing to hold you accountable. Confess your sin, make it known, uh, and make it real, and get real about getting rid of the sin that's in your life. Right. And, you know, we also get a lot of questions at events about, well, how do I deal with sin that's maybe not in my life now, but was in my past? This is still very real and damaging and causes barriers, even if it's not a part of your current relationship. And so if there was sin in your past, sexual sin, you have to deal with that. You can't just ignore it. And so that may mean that there needs to be a conversation. Uh, you, You might need to confess with your spouse. You might need to involve some spiritual family members, some leaders, potentially even a licensed therapist, but you have to be upfront and you have to deal with that. Right, for sure. Now, that maybe on some level is the easy part because that kind of sin is often apparent and easy to identify. Right. But how do we deal then, though, with sources of inappropriate shame? And I would say this is a little bit more complex because there are so many different places that this comes from. But let's start at least with kind of where we've already been here. Mm -hmm. If your shame is due to poor teaching or it's due to a poor understanding of your own sexuality, then you've got to re-educate yourself. Yeah. and Re-educate yourself with the truth. Yes. And I think that first starts by paying attention to your influences. I mean, if there are voices that are reinforcing this inappropriate shame, you got to lose them. (laughs) Is it coming from social media? Is it coming from poor spiritual leadership? Is it coming from your very own family members who themselves have a poor understanding of holy sexuality? So lose those poor influences and replace them with resources and friends and leaders who have a truly biblical view of holy sexuality without the shame-filled messages and without the silence, right. find resources and leaders and friends who are willing to talk about this topic in the right way with a view of sexuality that that is the same, that is congruent with what God teaches and his attitudes right. about sexuality. I think another powerful place for inappropriate shame is when sin has been committed against you. That often causes the victim to feel a great amount of shame that's not theirs to bear. And that might be because of sexual sin committed against you or emotional or spiritual abuse. Um, all of that will will fill you with shame, even though, again, that shame's not yours to bear. 
and it's a signal that you need to get help. Um, do not just allow that shame to cause barriers in your life and cause you to not be able to enjoy your sexuality as God intended. Yeah. If there are places, if there are memories or things that have happened to you in your life that still cause you anxiety mm-hmm. uh, in any form, then that's a signal that you are dealing with some of this shame that, again, is not yours to bear. Mm-hmm. And it's a sign that you you probably need to find someone who is qualified to help you work through that. Right. And and you all know our personal story and how that was crippling to us for so many years. And praise God, we're, I'm on the other side of that. Yes. We're on the other side of that. So if you need help, get help. Please contact us for resources and we will help you find a licensed therapist that can help you work through that trauma and free you from the bondage of your abuse. So... Let's talk more specifically now about the difference in pursuers and responders and how pursuers and responders can react to shame in different ways and the specifics about how pursuers and responders can overcome their individual Mm hangups about that. So first of all, we'll just start with pursuers because, hi, I'm Matt. I'm a sexual (laughs) pursuer. So I'm talking, so I'm going to go first here. Uh, Pursuers simply... Stop being ashamed of your sexual desire. I think that's a powerful statement. Say it again, Matt. Pursuers, stop being ashamed of your sexual desire. Yeah. It is okay to have sexual desire. In fact, God put it there. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for you to have more desire than your spouse. And it's okay to have desire for specific sexual frequency or even specific sexual acts. Yes. All of that is okay. Yes. Responders, did you hear that? It is oh, your pursuer is okay. It's okay <laughs> to have that desire, assuming that it's all channeled to the right person for the right reasons. So right. I'll make that qualifying statement. But just just realize, that without desire, there would be no motivation for you to be coming together as a married couple. Yeah. Without that desire, there would be nothing to to elicit, to initiate that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm encouraging pursuers to do is to harness your sexual energy to remind you, or as a reminder, that you need to be pursuing your spouse in every way. Mm -hmm. In other words, you use that sexual energy and focus your sexual attention on your spouse. Yeah, but I love how you said pursuing your spouse in every way. So. Your sexual desire can actually prompt you and should prompt you to be pursuing your spouse emotionally and spiritually and mentally in every way. Yeah. And that, that's really the design. That's the purpose of, mm-hmm. of sexual desire. So I, I want you pursuers to practice bold pursuing. <laughs> be bold about it. Every pursuer is direct. What? <laughs> yeah. Be direct. Be decisive. In fact, I mean, we, we per, when we as pursuers pursue weekly, not not weekly like every seven days, but I mean <laughs> weekly as in without strength, without boldness, without decisiveness, without directness, we are putting forward a very weak version of ourselves. Your responder is going to be most inclined to fully respond when you are pursuing from fullness instead of your shame. Mm-hmm. If you're holding back because you're ashamed of who you are, if you're holding back because 
you've been taught that it's not appropriate for you to have sexual desire or that you need to somehow, you know, cage up and, and hide this sexual desire in a, in a box under your bed, uh, your responder's never going to be able to fully respond to you. Right. They, they frankly are trying to figure out what to do with their own sexuality, and they don't know what to do with yours because yes. you seem unsure what to do with your sexuality. <laughs> right. So, right. right. Your, your confidence in that matter and your mm-hmm. boldness, your godly and holy pursuit should help to motivate your even your responder who may be dealing with their own shame to motivate them towards more confidence right. in themselves and their own sexuality. I would say all of this, though, needs to be couched in and surrounded by and filled with gratitude. Learn to be grateful for your desire instead of being ashamed of it. Yeah. And I think that's the real paradigm shift here is we spend, we've been taught to spend so much time trying to suppress and ignore our desire. Instead, we ought to be grateful to God for the gift that he's given us. Praise God for giving you desire that draws you out of yourself and towards your spouse and points you to connection. Yeah. Praise God for the blessing of sexual pleasure. Because without desire, you would never know this blessing. You would never even begin to be able to appreciate his gifts. Mm -hmm. And then as you're praising God, be able to express gratitude to your spouse. Express gratefulness to your spouse for their willingness to share their sexuality with you. And then praise your spouse for all that makes them beautiful. Everything that makes them beautiful inside and out express gratitude and praise. Because when your desire is shaped by the proper spiritual perspective, then you have nothing to be ashamed of. It's only a gift of God, and it's something that I'm using for His glory and for the glory of our union. Right, and and that desire is motivating you towards further gratitude. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. the other thing I'd encourage you and maybe encourage both of you in this case, but really encourage pursuers to initiate conversations with your spouse about what sex means to you. I think this is so vital for pursuers to learn how to say, to to have conversations about what sex means mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talk about what specific sexual acts mean to you. What is the meaning for you in these things That helps you take away the shame, and it Mm -hmm. helps to bring it into something that is shared. That These conversations will help you define the meaning of your sexual relationship. They will help you redeem the shameful associations and attachments that maybe you have or have been put upon you by society or your culture or your church. Mm -hmm. It'll take those shameful associations and allow you as a couple to co-create whatever meaning you want them to have. Right. You can co-create then a sexual relationship that is truly yours, that's truly intimate, that is truly shared when you have taken the time and the effort to share it. Right. So pursuers, stop being ashamed of sexual desire, (laughs) right? Responders, learn to embrace your sexuality. I mean, learn to identify that you are a sexual being. You have sexuality. You know, I follow a girl on Instagram and probably 
a lot of y'all know of this person. Um, she has a great saying that to me is so powerful. Um, her name is Elise Myers, and she says, do it scared. I love that. Yeah. As a responder, that speaks to me. I think everybody can relate to scared. that. Scared. I mean, if, if you're a sexual pursuer, that the chances are you've still been in situations where you are unsure. Right. And, and I, the power of do it scared means that, you know, you can't always wait until it's comfortable. Often the only path to getting comfortable is getting familiar with it. And so mm-hmm. that means that you have to start by doing it scared. If you are scared of sexuality, don't just stay there. Don't just stay stuck and scared. Do it scared. Start slow. Start getting comfortable. That may mean you just have to get comfortable with your own body. Sometimes that's the place you have to start. With your own nakedness. Learning to even look fully at yourself in the mirror. And not just look fully, but compliment yourself. Find one thing about that body and compliment it. And then the next day, find another thing and another thing. And, and, you know, get comfortable with nakedness with the lights on. I mean, you you got to be willing yeah. to look yeah. and, l- and allow share. your yeah. partner and to share. look. And again, it, it may even just be your starting slow might be that you just have to learn to name and know your own body parts. That's powerful. But from there, I think you also have got to learn how to tap into arousal because the reality and the beauty of arousal is that when you're aroused, your inhibitions will be lowered. What feels so scary right now might not feel as scary when you're aroused and you have to learn how to lean into this instead of being afraid of this. I think a powerful question um, to ask yourself when in the midst of arousal is thinking things like, Where would I like my beloved to touch me next? It really allows you to tap into your arousal and be an active participant within that. And and so that means think about your body. How is your body responding? What would feel good? And start being willing to show your beloved what that is. Guide him. Show him. You know, the, the second question that we read so long ago, you probably don't remember, it talked about initiation, someone wanting to learn how to initiate. But responders, I want you to know that this is initiation. You you don't have to be the one who starts the engine, Yes, but you can help steer the wheel. Right. And if you have that, if you're willing to have that level of involvement in your sexual relationship, it will be a thrill for your pursuer. Yes. You don't have to be the one who says, let's do it now. Let's do it now, if, hanging from the chandelier yeah. while I wear this and you wear that. <laughs> that, that. We think that's what initiation is, but really initiation can be helping to guide the process, learning to be involved. That'll be thrilling for your yes. pursuer. You know, and that's learning to initiate your own arousal. Through intentional time spent thinking about sex with your beloved, that initiation alone is powerful. Maybe more powerful than you being the one to say, hey, you wanna? Yeah. And I I would say if you're having difficulty, like these two other questioners uh, that we read at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the uh, of the episode, if you're having trouble kind of getting comfortable with your sexuality or even learning how to explore your own sexuality, 
I, I think one important place where you can get that confidence is through your pursuer. Yeah. Right. Learn to see the the sexuality and learn to feel the energy that they are feeling. Yeah. See it, sense it, grab onto it. Uh, right. Because look, in in a healthy relationship, if you as a responder show up, your pursuer is going to embrace that and protect you. Yes. In a healthy relationship, you're only going to get encouragement in those situations, not judgment. Right. And I'm saying this for the pursuer's benefit as well. If you're offering anything besides encouragement, pursuers, you are deflating the process. Right. But right. in a healthy relationship, you should only be getting encouragement when you're stepping out into an uncomfortable place. And so pursuers learn to embrace their pleasure. I'm sorry, responders <laughs> learn to embrace their pleasure, mm-hmm. learn to find connection of that mutual participation. Right. Stop being ashamed of their desire. Learn to recognize their desire, celebrate their desire and tap into that and let that draw you along too. I mean, ultimately, we're asking both of you to learn to redeem shame by pursuing connection in your sex and in your relationship. You have to replace shame with relationship because it's that intimate relationship that drives out shame. It removes those barriers. The closer you are to one another, the more you're willing to talk and share and create this beautiful place together. Right. And so then you're able to co-create your own meaning for sex yeah. rather than settling for those shameful associations that are burdening your relationship right. with the barriers and the withdrawing and the hiding that that creates. Yeah. This is how you get rid of shame in your relationship. All right, Matt, give us our wrap up. Bearing sexual shame results in sexual relationships that are disconnected, withdrawn, and hidden from one another. Sexual pursuers and responders tend to be impacted by sexual shame differently. Pursuers often bear unnecessary guilt for having sexual desire, and responders have learned to resist sexual thought or activity. Instead, intimate, vulnerable relationship is the ultimate antidote for shame. Co-create new meaning for sex with your beloved. Now it's time to grab your spouse and your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about sexual shame in your marriage. What shameful baggage are you each carrying and how has it impacted your sex life? We would love to hear your feedback. Contact us by emailing podcast at intimatecovenant.com or to submit anonymous feedback and questions, go to intimatecovenant.com slash podcast and click the button Contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. Thanks again to Derek and Open Door Financial Advisors for sponsoring the podcast. You should contact Open Door at opendoorfa.com. Thanks to all of you for listening, subscribing, rating, and sharing the podcast. We are truly humbled by all of your encouragement and support. And thanks especially to our Patreon subscribers for coming alongside us in a very real way. We love you. Until next time. Keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com backslash 
podcast. Click on the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends. If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.